Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me artist Mindy Wheeler, who has worked on several projects involving comics. So thank you for being on the podcast. It's awesome to be here. Now, you've been drawing for several years. How did you first discover your artistic ability? I've actually been drawing ever since I could pretty much hold up a pencil when I was a kid. And it's funny, I gave up art for about seven years. I've been doing art again now for about three or four. And my husband's the one that got me back into it. But I've always, always drawn. I've always painted. I've always been interested in art. It's just something I could never really escape no matter how much I tried. And what were some of your early influences in art that really got you involved in it? I really liked old classic stories like The Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland and Narnia. All of those elaborate fantasy scenes. I love the colors and I love the characters. And I love animals. So I drew a lot of animals when I was a kid. And a lot of dragons and lions and wolves, which are my favorite. It wasn't until I got into comic art that I really started drawing people because they're difficult. But I could always draw. So it just made sense. And definitely those are my earliest influences were some of the literature I read. And now just the comic art. I really like Batman. Man, everything to do with Batman and Gotham City. Spider-Man is another favorite. I really like The Flash. I would love to work on Spider-Man or Batman or The Flash one day. And I think I could do it. Just takes practice for everyone. But if you love it, then you just keep working at it. And now that's where I'm at. Just influenced by the comics I love and the stories I like. And I just go from there. And when did you first get exposed to comics? I kind of grew up in a couple different places. One of them was a really small town. Had this really old antique library. And I picked up a couple comics then, and I don't even know the name, some guy that could shapeshift. And I thought it was cool. That was his superpower. Those were the first comics I read. Then when I was a little older, I got into Spawn and some more indie comics, like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Then I left for a while. I got really busy. I went to college. Life got crazy. I didn't have time. Then when I met my husband, he reintroduced me to all of them. And then I started getting back into Spider-Man, Batman, Flash, mostly DC stuff, but some Marvel. And now as I go, we own a comic comic shop now we run it ourselves and so I read all the comics that come in to the best of my ability we're so busy but there's a lot of good stuff out there seven to eternity killer be killed animosity all these books are so awesome so every day I get new influence but that's where I started some weird shape-shifting comic and then spawn and now being that you're reading comics very early on and you left and then you came back and you own a comic shop are there any artists that really influence you and influence your style? I really like Neil Adams and Todd McFarlane. I think they are awesome. Jim Lee is good for everybody. I love watching him draw. I think Todd McFarlane does the best Spider-Man ever and I would love to emulate some of that. I kind of have my own realistic style. I'm more of a painter at heart so comic art's a little bit difficult at first but now I'm really studying Don McTeague and Ebass who I'm working with now and just taking it all in but definitely would put Todd McFarlane at the top of my list and Neil Adams at the top of my list and Jim Lee. And now your pathway into comics is very interesting. How did you get involved in the industry? I've always wanted to be a film director. I have a lot of things that I really like to do creatively. It's not just drawing. And I'd say I'm probably better at making film than I am at drawing. It works together so well because when you're drawing comics, you're basically drawing the film that's in your head. So I adapted to it naturally. My husband brought me to Phoenix Comic Con for the first time. It was my first convention a few years ago. And I saw all the fan art and the print artists there and everybody there. And I thought, holy 
crap, I could do that too. I know how to draw. And I just immediately got into it, started working at it, and went into it right away. And because of the film that I like to do and the storytelling in my head, it's fun for me to do and it feels natural. And one of the major things that you produce are prints. How did you get involved in making and creating prints? Part of the reason I gave up art was because I could not afford to be a starving artist. That thought always scared the crap out of me. And prints are a good way, I think, yeah. for an artist to get your start because you can't just hop on a book right away. You're not that good yet. You don't have the experience yet. I worked as a graphic designer for about 10 years, so I do have publishing and printing experience, but to just approach someone in this industry and be like, hey, put me on a book. It doesn't happen like that. I was told several different things by different people. I went to different cons, making prints, just trying to show people what I could do and to get a little bit of money on the side to help me pay for the time to get work and get better. And I was told, hey, you know, we won't hire you until you have a web comic and a following or we won't hire you to this or that. It's kind of like getting a credit card, but you don't have any credit to get a credit card with. It's, you know, this backwards logic. So you just have to keep pushing and doing everything you can. Some people start on books. I decided to start on prints. And part of the reason is because I hadn't picked up a pencil in about seven years. I wanted to try to perfect everything I could in one piece. So if I drew a whole book right when I started and I was all rusty, it probably would have looked like crap. But because I put so much time into one piece, I felt like I was teaching myself all over again to be perfect at that one thing. So I'd, I'd like to focus on these masterpieces. And it's been successful for me. I've been able to do things and get recognized and now I'm working on a book. So that's the reason that I went that way. And now are your prints done all through pencils and then you ink them and then color them or are some of them done digitally or is it a hybrid? They're all done with pencil. I've tried various different techniques from start to finish because I've been re-familiarizing myself with art and my abilities and what's standard, not standard in the industry. But everything starts with a pencil drawing and then I will ink it myself. I haven't been able to hire an inker yet, but sometimes I've gone straight from pencil to colors, which is a weird way to do it. Michael Turner did that for a while, and he's kind of the one that I would say figured out the way to do that with comics. It is a way to do it, and it works. I'm not the best inker, but I do love it at the same time. So I alternate. Sometimes I'll ink it, sometimes I won't, but then I will scan it just like any other comic, and I'll color it digitally. Sometimes I'll go a little heavier on the colors, or not, just depends on how I draw it. And how did you learn how to color digitally? That was about the easiest part for me was the coloring. When I was in high school, I went to an arts high school and I studied digital arts and I learned Photoshop and Illustrator and the whole Adobe suite, which was good. I started learning when I was 12. And I loved it so much. I'd stay up late every night till 5 in the morning making art on Photoshop and coloring. Then I got a job as a graphic designer because I knew that skill. So then when I learned comics, they used the same programs. They color this way. I picked it up immediately and was able to catch on real quick. Even though I stopped drawing with a pencil, I've been nonstop using my computer coloring or doing some type of digital art since I was 12 years old. Every single day of my life since. That was not hard for me. And now you have a lot of prints out. Where does your inspiration come for these prints? It's hard to say in general. I could tell you piece by piece. For example, one of my more well-known pieces is the angel one. She's wearing some gold armor. She's got red wings. That was inspiration from a character of my own of a book that I want to do that I might be doing here in the near future. I want to start pumping it out, getting it out there. I have an avenue to do so, but I wanted to just 
put her on paper and get that character manifested so I could continue thinking about the story. So that was that piece. And other pieces are just comic inspiration, what I see that other people like, and also what I like. I draw the characters that I like. And I think the best art is created is when artists draw the things that they want to draw or they want to see. I have another really cool piece that I like called Glinda from Wizard of Oz. Of course, Wizard of Oz is my inspiration. But I loved visuals of Emerald City. So I really tried to crank out all the reflections and the green and the glass and make it beautiful. So I just saw really what the visual I have in my head is and what I want it to look like. And I like to go above and beyond and try to take an angle on things that no one had before. And to talk about a few pieces, one of the pieces that caught my eye and it's going to catch a lot of people's eyes, the Mortal Kombat print that you did. It has a very nice balance between being sexy but not over the top. And how do you maintain that balance? It was weird for me at first to figure out that line because I wouldn't personally dress that way. And I see things a little different through a female's perspective and comics were originally intended for young boys. That's how they started. But I think it's all tastefully done and I just do the best that I can in what I think is sexy but not overly done. But that depends on the piece and depends on who I'm working for. But all within taste, all within reason. And another print that caught my eye was your Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. What was it like to do an Alice in Wonderland? piece considering that Alice in Wonderland is such an iconic it was an absolute pleasure doing that piece. I have my own vision. You know how Tim Burton had his own vision of Alice in Wonderland? He put that into a movie? Well, I've got my own too. And in this case, I really like the Mad Hatter, but I really don't like the way the Mad Hatter was portrayed in Tim Burton's movies. So that was my take on what I would love to see for a female Mad Hatter. It's a female, because I think that a woman could play the role really good. I see a really cool, crazy character playing that role and it's different if i made an alice wonderland story that's exactly what my mad hatter would look like and now to talk about one of your more iconic prints which was the rem edition of batgirl 41 with the joker holding batgirl hostage what's the story behind this creation of this print it's crazy isn't it the original piece got recalled. As people know, it was a variant cover. It wasn't the regular cover, but people were upset because they said it was too violent. It looked like she was being taken advantage of, per se. But if you know the story behind it all, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. So I didn't find it upsetting at all, although I know a lot of people did, and the artist got death threat, I think, over it. It was a big issue. But I haven't heard one person that I've met at all of the shows, the 30 shows or whatever I did this year, plus the shows from last year, that ever had an opinion against that piece. So there is really a demand for people wanting that piece and the artist not being able to have that piece to show to the world. So I wanted to do it. My husband convinced me to do it. At first I was a little hesitant because of all the controversy, but it was good. I did my own more realistic version of it because there is violence in the world and that doesn't mean that people need to completely shy away from those kinds of visuals. So the piece did really well. It did really, really well. People loved it. And again, I haven't heard one person say the things that were said to original artists about it in that hateful way. So it was just a homage to that piece. And now uh, you did a follow-up piece where instead of Batgirl in it, there's Harley Quinn is in it. How is that created and when did you do that piece? 
That is more of a personal Mindy piece. I've been through a lot of crap in my life, and I've seen a lot of violence with boyfriends and relationships. And the Harley Quinn that is pop culture, Harley Quinn, Suicide Squad Harley Quinn, it's not my favorite take on Harley Quinn. I like the traditional abused Harley Quinn. I think that's more genuine. I did that piece because I felt like that would be the perfect pose between the two of them to show what their relationship is really like. And she's looking away from him in the piece, which is much the way that I would feel if I were in her position, if I were that character that was being abused. And there's so much positive Joker Harley, I love you, you're my baby, be in my relationship kind of stuff going on in pop culture, but that's not what I like. That's not what I like about Harley Quinn and Joker. So that piece captures exactly what I think what was meant to go on between them traditionally and the most beautiful yet disturbing part of their relationship. I think that deserves a piece. And now you did another print involving Joker and Harley Quinn, the guns and ammo print. When was this print created? And given that you did two before this one, or when was this created in this timeline? And what were you feeling when you were creating it? I know that people desire just the opposite of what I was saying a second ago. They do desire the happy Joker Harley Quinn. And when I'm at shows, I have them on the front and back of a page of my portfolio. And I'll say, here's happy Joker Harley. Here's sad Joker Harley. They get to enjoy both contrasting emotions. I still think that there's the fun, crazy, iconic stuff that goes on between them. I just wanted to get both out in a piece. But the Guns and Ammo was fun. And what I wanted to achieve with that piece was was just the most iconic pose that I could for them. I really like a few of their poses. I like Alex Ross. I wanted something like that, something iconic. When you thought of the two of them, you would think of that piece. I thought, hey, I should put this on a magazine cover. That would look kind of cool because I have a version without the magazine cover, just a bunch of cards floating around them. And I asked my husband which magazine cover, and he said, oh, you should do Guns and Ammo. That's perfect. So we put it together, and that's what it was. And out of these three, do you have a favorite out of the three? I do like the Guns Nama. I think that turned out well just because there's more going on in the piece. And if I were going to say, for example, get something tattooed on me, I don't think I'd get Harley 41 tattooed on me because that just reminds me of dark and depressing times, which is what it was meant to do. But me personally, I try to have a positive outlook on life. So if I was going to really pick one to stare at for the rest of my life, it'd probably be Guns Nama. And now you've done several other prints. You've done several other Harley Quinns, you've done a Catwoman or Batman, as well as you've done some stuff in Marvel, Daredevil, Gwenpool, Psylocke, X-23, and Deadpool, to name a few. Do you have a favorite character out of all of these prints that you've done? Not really. I could tell you what other people's favorites are, but I'm kind of torn between all of them. I do like Guns Namo, I do like the Harley and Batgirl 41s, but between all of them, I don't really have a favorite. I think other people's favorites are usually Deadpool, and I do get a lot of traction on the Batwoman, because there's not very many Batwoman stuff. Probably the Deadpool is everyone's favorite right now. And then another print you worked on is a Cap and Phasmo with Jeff West. So how did this come about where you work with somebody else on a print? I ran into Jeff West at Phoenix Comic Con. We were stationed next to each other on the floor. 
And so we started talking and I offered to color the piece for him. And we were going to go to another show two weeks later. We are still going to be at the same show. He did the lines for Captain Phasma. He had already had it drawn, I think, from before. And so I colored it for him. And so we both have our signatures on the piece. He did the lines. I did the colors. And it was his idea, though. That whole piece was his. I just did the colors for him on that. And considering that Star Wars is so popular, how exciting was it for you to work on a Star Wars piece? I think more so than Captain Phasma, I did a Ray and BB-8 piece. That was fun. So I've done three Star Wars pieces. So I did the Ray and BB-8, I did the Captain Phasma colors, and then I did a Kylo Ren and Ray fighting in the forest with their lightsabers and all. That was a commission piece. It took me six months or so, that poor guy who commissioned me. I drew it and then I watercolored it and then I painted it digitally over top of the watercolors and it was crazy. You can still see the watercolors underneath, but that took so much time and I was doing it while my life was crazy on the side when I could. So that was really cool to finish. He's got a huge poster of it at home and he's got the only one that I printed. Then the Ray and BB-8 was fun because I wanted to do a Star Wars piece and it was free comic book day. I had a table inside of Desert Sky Games and Comics down here in Mesa and I was trying to figure out which piece I should do. So I started asking around, should I do a Kylo Ren? Should I do this? And one guy told me that his daughter said something along the lines of, oh now I know why you love Star Wars so much, Daddy. I'll be like Ray, just like you wanted to be the other characters when you were growing up, because she's like me. And there was this huge Ray buzz, and I thought, well, that's cool. I should do a Ray piece just for that little girl. So I did. Perfect segue here, right into commissions. How did you get started in the commission world of comics? What was my first commission? I drew a zombie kid and then I drew a starfire. It was on the moment at the show floor and other artists did commissions. And commissions are a scary thing too. It's one thing when you draw and you color and you spend all of this time. Sometimes my pieces take 40, 50, 60 hours from start to finish and you can make it perfect. But when you're on the show floor at a convention, it's a lot different. You've got a time limit. You've got a budget. You've got a thing to draw and you got to get it done. So it was very nerve wracking at first, but you just have to remember to breathe and say, you know what you're doing. I take the advice of Jim Lee on that. He said this, and I used to say this back when I was drawing, when I was a teenager. He said, just don't think about it, just do it. And I ended up just busting out commissions, and my Maleficent piece was a commission for someone who didn't end up showing to pick it up, and that was my first attempt at a realistic face with the shading and everything. That was at my first show, and just continued on from there. At every show, I'll have a commission list. And uh, I take commissions for people who email me or find me on my website or Twitter, however they do it. They want something done. I have a budget and I get it done. And it's an awesome way of doing all the kinds of characters that you've wanted to do but haven't had the time. And I just really like handing people a piece of art, too, for them to have in their home. That's something really cool and special that you can say that this person gave this piece of mind to, say, their husband for Christmas. That rocks. So it's really just going to shows that got me into to it now it's just a continuing thing that follows me wherever I go and what mediums do you work in with commissions such as markers ink watercolors pastels so I have pen
pencils, and then I'll do inks, and then I'll do colors. It just depends on what you want done. And each of them costs different because each of them takes a certain amount of time or supplies. But I do the coloring with Copics. Sometimes I'll use some colored pencil or regular pencil. Copics, I'm still learning. They're a little tricky. And any new avenue you try, you always have to take time to master it. And I'm getting a lot better at Copics now. But at first, I kind of shied away from coloring. One day, I like to do some watercolor stuff because I love watercolor. I was always good at it before I gave it up, but that's in the future. For now, it's just pencil. I'll do some inks and I'll do some coloring with Copics. And now to talk about a few of your commissions that are just fantastic. Your Gwenpool, your Deathstroke, your Emma Frost, and your Venom blank cover commissions. What was it like drawing these four? And they show many different skills. They're all quite different. I like to challenge myself and do different things. Venom was fun. I didn't have a lot of time to do that one, but I was happy with how it turned out. And I was focusing on the inks. Emma Frost was a lot more soft, and that one's going to be shipped out soon, actually. I just wrapped that up, and that was cool. I love it when people say, I want you to draw this character. Just draw her. Just do it. Whatever you feel like. That's when when it turns out the best. It's a little bit more difficult when people say, oh, I want her head turned to the left and her hair on the side and her arms slightly above her waist. Those things get a little bit more complicated. You get to let loose when people say, just do what you want, Mindy. Those are my favorite kinds of commissions. I had that with Emma Frost. I had that with the Venom. And I had that with the Gwenpool. The Gwenpool was awesome. The Gwenpool was a Christmas present from my wife to her husband. And I just went with that. So those were all super fun. It's amazing to see people's reactions when they actually post it on on Twitter and then tweet you and say this is so cool it's just the coolest feeling because I think every artist is a little bit insecure so when I send them off I'm always crossing my fingers like I hope it's okay I hope they don't cry when they open it but I've never really gotten that reaction so it's okay there have been one or two commissions where it's like please like it but it's been all right and as an artist doing these commissions do you prefer to do colors or do you prefer black and white just on a stylistic preference. I used to be so good in black and white, but I'm not so much anymore because I've expanded my coloring palette in my head. When I color books now, and there's just this wide range of colors, so I think in color, and that's more of the painter in me. So when I go colors, I tend to just not stop. That's something I've had to work on because I'll want to just color a little bit more and a little bit more and shade a little bit more and a little bit more. So the colored commissions, I end up doing probably way more than I should, and for that, I have to be careful how much I take on. It's easier for me to just do pencils and get it done and get it drawn out. If I don't want to spend forever just staring at it, and it's like that thing where you stare at something and you're like, oh, it's so good. Oh, no, I don't like that anymore. You change so quickly in your head when you're drawing because you're adapting. So the color takes a lot more out of me. Time, effort, frustration, and then happiness in the end. So I prefer to do pencils, but if someone wants to do colors, I'm all for it. They just got to give me the time to do it and I'll crank it out. And now you also do sketches and you do sketch commissions. In particular, you have a very famous sketch of Nikki Bella and Brie Bella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the story behind this? I met them at Super Toy Con this year in Vegas. Oh, my gosh, they were super nice. And I was asked to do one of them because they would be there at the show. And I ended up giving that sketch to them because I had a few commissions that show come in and out. It was towards the end of the show. I had this commission that was just hanging around. And I thought, well, I should really just give this to them and see what happens. And I did. And and that was really cool because I got to meet them and they got to see it and they didn't know what to do with it at first. Kind of took them by surprise because they were in the 
middle of signing and they sat down and it got handed to them there they said where do we sign it that's what Nikki said because she didn't know if she should sign it or not it was in a hard holder it was all wrapped up nice and I said oh no it's for you and she went oh my god and I said oh my god this is so cool and it was just the coolest thing I love the Bella Twins if I had it any different if I lived another life I would totally be a female wrestler I love wrestling and they're awesome so just kind of gave it as a gift to them and they liked it so it was cool and now to change gears and to talk about how you got into comic book side of art when did you begin to make the shift to become a colorist in comic books it was just an easier job for me I guess the best way to say it is if you're trying to get on a book and you have not penciled a book before which is in my case the situation I've done samples but I have not penciled my own book and to be honest I haven't had the time it's all been about time if I had a million hours in the world I'd have 16 published books in front of me of my own but I don't have the time so you have to approach someone and say these are my pencils and it takes a lot of work art is not easy comic art is really not easy because you've got so many things to worry about perfection line weights foreground background there's a lot more to it than just drawing a head sketch if you're going to draw a whole issue of a comic you have to prove yourself if you want to get on a book with a following so right now I'm working with JP Roth she hired me as a colorist we are working on pencils in the future and she has been the most generous boss that I could have ever asked for and she's been a mentor to me too and been teaching me how to improve my pencils which is awesome so that we can get me penciling some books in the future and I hope to see that come to fruition I'm hoping sometime in the next year start to get some stuff out with her but coloring is just easier for me because I know the tools. I've been coloring and working with the computers for over a decade now. I'm just better at that and faster at that right now and I guess good enough for her to hire me so that's the job I've got and I did do some coloring also for some other artists on the floor. I colored for Jamie Tyndall and Jason Metcalf. Here and there Jeff West, a couple other people just to try it out and they did end up printing one or two of my prints. That's different from a print to a book. It's awesome to be working on coloring now and when you color a book too you learn a lot about the pencils and the drawing just by coloring over it and now one of your early things that you colored was the rom new york comic-con 2016 show exclusive with sal mm-hmm. busima what was that project like i don't know whether or not to call that one or my zenoscope piece of this past year my first officially published books with diamond or with the publishers because they both kind of came out at the same exact time but I was hired to do the ROM piece before anything. So that was my first hired colors project there. And I worked with Desert Wind. It was their store exclusive. And they had an exclusive before that was in that same traditional style where they did Herb Trumpy. And it was his death of Wolverine with carrying Wolverine over Hulk's shoulder. And they did it in that same style. They wanted to do it again. And they were doing it for ROM with Salbushima doing the pencils. Big deal. And I met Chris Ryle, the publisher at IDW. And I talked to Chandler at Desert Wind and they asked me to do the colors and it was a big deal but mainly because it was honoring Sal Bushima and it was the launch of the new ROM series with IDW. So Chandler told me no pressure but make sure it's good Mindy because this is Sal Bushima we're talking about here. I will I'll do this good and I did the colors and I ended up going out and researching a bunch of ROM issues and rereading old Sal Bushima stuff and just loving it and thinking it was the coolest thing and my husband's a huge Bushima fan. He loves the Silver Surfer stuff that they worked on and their works of art. It's iconic. So it was a real honor to be asked to do that. And then it was cool being that it was a New York Comic Con exclusive.
exclusive too. So it came out at New York Comic Con this past year, 2016, and it was sold there at their booth. And Saul signed them, and then I have copies that he signed, and I've signed here up in our store, and one for me. And I did talk to Saul through email briefly, which was cool. And he said something along the lines of, tell Mindy I love the colors. She did a good job, so that was cool. And now you mentioned something about Zenscope. This issue and the Zenscope issue came out around the same time, but when did you begin to work on the Zenscope issue? So it all revolved around San Diego Comic-Con, which I had a table at this past year, which was probably one of the coolest things that happened to me in my whole life. Happened this year. I got accepted into San Diego Comic-Con. I had a table there in Artist Alley, and that's when I talked to Desert Wind, actually. And I've known Chandler and Sharon that run Desert Wind for a while now, but that's when I got asked to do the ROM piece, and I had spoken with Zenoscope before at another show about two or three months before that show and they're very very busy people and it was this time of the show season so I was trying to get a hold of them and before San Diego they had said yeah so what we do with new artists is we do this and we were talking about getting me a piece in a book so excited and then I got to speak with them again at San Diego and said hey guys you know how are you doing I would love to get that piece and see how it goes and they said let's do it so I got in the photo shoot edition of this year and they told me to do a Queen of Hearts photorealistic piece and showed me some references and said do what you want with the costume just keep the costume in the book and I did so it was in talks for the ROM but it actually came out after ROM and it was released I think the end of October of 2016. And now to talk about the last big comic that you're working on right now which is Rollick Comics. How did you become involved in working there. I've been going to shows for about three years now, begging everyone I could ever think of or want to work with, with, hey, can I please have a job? I've been that person that probably has annoyed everybody on the West Coast with my portfolio. But I knew Joe, I knew Ebass, and I knew Don, but I hadn't really seen them around at the shows very often. We were always at different shows. And I met them at Phoenix again. I actually met Joe for the first time at Phoenix Comic Con about three years ago and I think I bought a book from her and I thought wow this is so cool and I've been following their work now for a long time Nia Rufino her colors on everything just loving the writing thinking it was just the coolest stuff but for some reason I had it in my head they're never gonna hire me and I got turned down quite a lot from people like I said it's kind of a hard industry to break into so I reapproached Joe actually my husband did because I was stuck at my table and I said I gotta talk to Joe so we did at Stanley's Kamikaze and I talked with her and I showed her my work and she said you're gonna do colors for my book starting yesterday. I went home that week and she sent me stuff and I've been working on stuff with her ever since and her and I talk on the phone all the time. She's amazing. JP Roth she's got her line of Roth at comic books. She's accomplished so much. She did this all on her own for about four years. She's been writing forever a great writer and she got in with Diamond and now her books are being distributed with Diamond all over the nation. I just got some books in yesterday of hers from our account because we have a comic shop and I just think it's the coolest thing. I think it's probably the best thing that could have happened. I had a portfolio review with Marvel a couple months ago. I've been talking to a lot of people. I've ventured down all kinds of different alleys of which job and I was just telling my husband this earlier but someone told me that in this industry you'll find people that you work really well with and when you do stick with them work with them and I'm finding that this relationship I have with Joe and Don 
Brown and Ebass and all of them on the Rothit books. Sabine Rich is another artist on the book is working out so well for me right now. I am learning so much. I'm getting the opportunity to do all these things that I hadn't before. I'm so grateful to work for them right now and I think it's a great move for me. I really couldn't have asked for anything better. And now with Rolla Comics, you're going to be working on the next Rem 8 issue, doing the colors. Mm-hmm. How did you yep. find out that you were getting this? She told me exactly that's what she wanted me to do at Stanley's Comicology when we spoke and I got the pencils of the next issue of Rem 8 the next week and I actually will be finishing them probably tonight. I've got about one or two things left which I was planning on finishing tonight and then once I do it's a wrap up. It gets sent to lettering and then it will be out soon for the world. The penciler on this book right now is Colette Turner and she's got a huge following on Instagram. She has been traveling doing this large tour right now and so she's awesome. She does her own comic called Badassicle. So she's doing the pencils right now and I've been doing the colors and it's been awesome and we're starting a new project beginning of January that I'll be doing the colors for. I'll be working with Don McTeague and Joe and whatever else she has in store. We'll be going over it all very beginning of January and it's going to look like an awesome project but I can't tell you much about it because I don't know what she has released yet or not about it. And considering that you got the pencils and you're doing the coloring and this is your first really I guess big break in the industry to some degree. How does that make you feel? It's been a struggle. I'm not going to lie. Doing this print artist stuff, there's a stigma to it. Some people really don't like it. Other artists, other creators, some people will look down on you for it. And you have to know the laws and the ins and outs. Fan art is one thing. Ripping off art from people is another thing. And I don't do that. But I've been just trying my very best. And you know, I hope everyone will see that to show people just what I can do. And at the same time, engage myself in an audience, find fans, find people, use social media, and build what I could so that I could get this opportunity. And to finally see an opportunity pay off and to finally get something is magical. It's the start of a whole new level and a whole new chapter of what's going to happen. And I see lots of things in the future. I see continuing to work with JP Roth and the crew. I can see continuing to do my own stuff and being able to finally push some of that through. And I have a lot of cool ideas for stories that I think will fit really well in the industry. A lot of awesome pieces of art in my head that I'm just itching to get out and all these things require being able to have a job and the fan base to push it out and and see it through and I finally feel like I'm getting that now and that it's just gonna grow so I'm so excited and also be doing what I love I gave up art for seven years roughly and I thought that I'd never do it again and it hurt but at the same time I had so much financial responsibility I couldn't even think about it but I still even through that whole time I'd stay up late and I'd draw and I'd color and I'd paint because I was so artistic and creative. When you have that in you, you can't leave it. You can't let it go. If it's that bad, if it's that much, it's always in the back of your head. So to be finally able to do that now, it makes me extremely happy. It's the coolest thing of my life so far to be able to see my life actually go in the direction that I've always wanted it to go, but never been able to make it go. And as I stated at the beginning, you've had a very interesting path into where you are right now, going from prints and doing commissions, going and getting onto a book. Do you feel that doing the prints and doing the commissions 
and being on the con scene has prepared you for this point? Oh, yeah. You can be the best artist ever. You could be Jim Lee when you're five years old. But if you don't go to the shows and you don't get exposed to the people that you'll be dealing with, the fans, the people that buy your prints and ask you to sign their books, if you don't get immersed in the industry, there's so much that can go wrong that you don't know about. So absolutely, it's very important. And going to the cons has been great exposure for me this past year. And it's so awesome to see people that know me now. When I first started, I was nobody. I was in the back of the line and the back of the show floor. But now it's at that point where people come to me and they say, oh, I saw you in Vegas. And oh, I bought this from you then. How are you? And I'm building this relationship now with people. And that's the coolest thing ever. It's really cool. And it keeps you going too. When you're an artist, all you're doing is sitting at home by yourself working on your things. You don't get that feedback. So to actually get feedback from people in person about what they've seen of your work that's come out that they've bought is helpful and you get their feedback on what you think you should be doing or how they liked it there in so many ways i'd say it's vital to be able to break into this industry to get to know the industry and the prints help i don't care what people say it helps to just start making art. And if it's a print that you've got to make, then you've got to make it. You've just got to start drawing and you've got to start putting yourself out there. If you don't, you're not going to go anywhere. And do you feel that the amount of commissions you receive and the amount of prints that you sell and the demand for your work has increased because of being involved in coloring bigger books, being involved coloring a comic book at this point? Or is that too premature to figure that out right now? It's kind of hard to say. It's not published yet, the Rem 8 one. I have seen people and talked to people like you who's now seen my Xenoscope piece and my ROM piece and the commissions. And Instagram is cool for that, for commissions. There's some accounts that pick you up if you're doing commissions at a shows and they know you and they'll start to tweet or share your stuff. All of it glows on top of each other and helps you move along. But the Rem 8 is a little too hard to tell yet. And now I think we covered a lot of your career so far. I mean, we could have covered everything. There's so much to you. But I'm very <laughs> curious what advice you have for people who want to get involved in the industry. The way I did it was it takes a leap of faith. If you're starting from drawing in your closet or on your kitchen table, which is what I did, you have to be brave and you have to study. I would go to shows as an attendee and I would talk to other artists and that helped. Jason Metcalf was actually one of the first people I really talked to and I said, how did you get here? What are you doing? I asked a lot of people about what books they have for reference, anatomy books and such. A lot of people gave me good advice on the books, but I never found a real good anatomy book. I think Mia Rufino gave me the best advice for one and I can't for the life of me remember the name of it, but I have never really found a good drawing book to study. So that was hard. You have to find the resources that work for you. So instead of doing that, I bought a bunch of them and I never used them. I looked at what was being done. I looked at the people's art in the industry today, found out what I like. I went back and looked at the path. I studied Alex Ross. You got to do a lot of studying and figuring out what you want to do. And you can tell if you look at my pieces that my style kind of changed because I was studying different things and people at the time trying to figure out what worked for me best. And you just got to be brave. You got to take the criticism. And that's another thing that's going to be a deciding factor of if you make it or not. I learned this because I was also a graphic designer for about 10 years and I ended up managing other graphic designers and hiring them. And some people didn't like me because I was younger um, 
I actually did not finish college with my degree. I have an equivalent of an associate's, but there are people I hired that had their bachelor's in graphic arts and they can't take criticism. They get very personal. They do the same thing in art. You can't be like that. You have to learn how to take advice and criticism positively, even if it's not being delivered in a positive way. If you can do that, and if you can just be brave and get it done and just start making art, you will 100% get better with time and study and learn and absorb everything you can. And then the same route is what I'd recommend to people too. Go to shows, sell some prints, do some commissions, and talk to a lot of people. The more people you talk to and the more relationships you build, the better off you will be. And you'll find the people that you will work well with and you'll find the people that you won't work well with. And you'll also have some bad experiences. But you just got to keep trying. And if you're really passionate about it, don't stop. And if you don't stop, you're going to find yourself somewhere doing what you love. Just got to keep going. And finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, website, con appearances? This next year, I'm going to be doing a few less shows because I'm so busy now with the, the books I'm doing and planning my own convention, and it's just going to be a crazy year. And I want to focus on putting the most material out than I have ever done. So I would say definitely follow my Facebook. It's just Mindy Wheeler Art. Instagram is the same. I think it's Mindy.Wheeler.Art. And then Twitter, Mindy Wheeler Art. So anything on there, I'll post of all my works that are coming out. I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming out in 2017. I will be at San Diego this year in Artist Alley. I will be at WonderCon. And then probably San Francisco, I think. And other than that, my whole plan this year is to bust out books and art. So that's what I'm going to push. And it'll be all over my social media. So for right now, that's the best thing you can do is just give me a follow. Stay tuned. I'm pretty readily available if you have any questions or want to message me on social media. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode. And you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcast. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as you can follow us on Twitter at popanimecomics for all updates regarding this podcast. Till next week, everybody have a wonderful week.